0: Welcome to the Money Answers Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out deep into your retirement or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for the first half hour is Houston Harrison. He's the managing director at Capital Resource Group, which is based in Springdale, Arkansas. Welcome to the show, Houston. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Let's just start with your background a little bit and uh, your history leading up to the formation of your firm. Great.
2: Yes, I started in business in the the late 80s as a uh, college student and uh, liked the business, so I decided to uh, change my major to uh, finance and uh, over the years have worked in different capacities with different organizations structured in different ways. So I've been a captive insurance agent with some of the country's largest uh, insurance company companies as well as worked as registered rep, investment advisor rep. And so when I started my uh, securities firm in 2007, I uh, did it on an independent basis. And then on in 2010, when I started the insurance agency, I also set it up as an independent uh, firm. So I really wanted, after having that experience throughout my 20-year career working for other firms and seeing how businesses were structured. I really just wanted to work for my clients as an independent advisor and just always just look out for the interest of my clients. So that's why we did it independent on both areas.
1: So tell me a little bit about the clientele you have. What kind of clients are they and uh, their ages and what are the typical kinds of areas you're working on them in? Yes,
2: uh, we started the firm with with a b- pretty big demand to work with seniors, and so we started working with a number of seniors here in, in northwest Arkansas. I had brought some clients. I had lived in the Seattle area for five years, so I had brought some clients uh, over from Seattle to uh, my uh, firm. But um, in Arkansas, we worked mostly with seniors, and then we started getting a lot of referrals to their kids, Hey, we like what you're doing uh, with us and our investments and our insurance. So, we were wondering if you could work with our kids as well. So that's what we have been doing. A lot of now we're gravitating to a lot of business owners. We're gravitating to a lot of corporate executive types and professionals, as well as our senior clients. Uh, what we're doing for them is uh, we have found that the biggest area of need. Has been the uh, in- income distribution with our seniors we, a lot of them have come to us saying well we we grew our money we we like some of the strategies we 've had some bouncing around in the markets over our investment lifetime, but we have found that our current advisor isn 't really the best advisor to uh, to take us through retirement because they 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 're more of the accumulation type of an advisor and not really the the distribution. So that's where I feel like my skill level is, is understanding the, the landmines that can happen with someone when they're distributing their assets in the form of income over their retirement lives. So, um, so now with the crazy markets like they are, a lot of the younger folks now are, are looking to us to help them with the accumulation and looking for areas that they can safely accumulate or safe, more safely accumulate assets um, to get them to retirement.
1: So when a lot of people have accumulated assets, one of their biggest problems today is they get very little, if not no yield, on so-called safe alternatives like CDs and money market funds and treasuries and so on. What do you recommend to your clients who have a good amount of assets but want to live off the income and basically can earn nothing in traditional kinds of safe alternatives?
2: Great question. We we I can't tell you how many people uh, we run into that come to us and say what their concerns are, and they tell us, "I'm concerned about the uh, the potential for hyperinflation. Sometimes even deflation. I'm concerned about you know what's going on with the economy, what our uh, what our government's been doing, but also." Um, just the amount of debt that our country's in, and so they're they're concerned about the hyperinflation but the 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 potential for the markets just to to bottom out like we've seen a couple of times in the last decade or so so there's definitely alternatives that folks can get involved in investments where they don't have the market risk when we um, go through our educational process with our clients and we we go over the different. Types of risk: the market risk, the interest rate risk, um, the default risk, there's currency risk, all the different risks that a person um, could encounter when investing. The number one type of risk that seems to to scare them the most is the market risk because it's just based on perceptions, based on public sentiment. So, if we can if we can significantly reduce the market risk by going into those uh, things that you're talking about, then then that's going to be uh, a lot better, and the, the, the stress level of our clients can go way down. So there's a number of different things people can take advantage of, whether it be the individual corporate bonds, not bond funds. There's the uh, real estate investment trust, preferred stocks. There's certain types of annuities, uh, all kinds of alternative unit investment trusts, muni bonds. But there's landmines with each one of those. So I think the uh, if I don't get any point across, it would be to, to let someone help you uh, find those alternatives that you can get a better rate of return than the fixed rates, but significantly reducing the market risk that's inherent with equities.
1: Do you think that their concern over inflation and hyperinflation is correct, or is that overblown? Well, I, I don't...
2: In my studies and our uh, research, I don't see anything that would um, make it overblown. I, uh, as I mentioned, being being uh, part of uh, different companies over my uh, career, I realized over time that when I was going to create my own company, that a lot of the research that was handed down to me may have been. Um, skewed for lack of a better term based on that organization 's interest, so when I looked at like the big financial firms and what their interests were and that it and the fact that it might not necessarily coincide with the interest of my clients, perfect example would be uh, let 's say a large broker dealer firm that is they have to answer to their shareholders, and so they need to to make a profit a lot of times that profit has to do with with trading. Or churning, where with a client, their interest is growing their account, and that might not be best accomplished through the churning or the trading in their account. So, so with that in mind, the um, I lost track. What was the question?
1: <laughs> the question was really more about people. You say your clients are worried about hyperinflation. Is that, a, is that something should really accurate? I mean, if you if we yeah. had hyperinflation. And people get into the things you were talking about: corporate bonds, REITs, preferreds, annuities, mm-hmm. muni's, and UITS. Mm-hmm. Interest rates would go up, and those things could get hurt quite badly if you had hyperinflation. So, yeah,
2: great, great point. So, the, the, where I was going with that line of uh, discussion was when I when I started doing the research, and I found a group of like-minded independent advisors. I like to call it a brain trust or a think tank because it makes makes us sound smarter. But uh, what we um, Discovered was the the data was skewed, and that when we uh, look at the longer term trends that there are really what we call secular market trends fifteen 20 year bear and bull markets and so what you say is true if the interest rates go up, the value of those can go down so we're not investing in funds we don't recommend funds because it's it is based on sentiment, market risk, just like those other uh, types of equity investment. So what we, what we can do is set up portfolios where the, the client has the liquidity that they need and also the, um, the cash flow that they need at the right time.
1: So you're saying individual securities or individual bonds or individual preferreds um, or individual munis are going to be better than funds because they would mature and you'd get your money back as exactly. opposed to funds. Uh-huh. Exactly, but I'm saying, okay. But you say your clients are worried about hyperinflation and so on. Are you worried about hyperinflation? Is that something you have to worry about? Are you more worried about deflation?
2: Well, I think, regardless, I am worried about hyperinflation. I also can see the argument for deflation, and so for an advisor and for the clients of advisors, I think the the most important thing is positioning the portfolios to to be able to uh, address both of those if there is uh, hyperinflation the portfolio needs to be able to uh withstand that if there's deflation the portfolio needs to be able to withstand that so especially for seniors who are on fixed incomes many times you want that you want the steady income you don't want the the principal to to be significantly uh drawn down you, you just want them to be more secure than kind of the traditional buy funds and buy equity approach
1: mm-hmm. you have a um, uh, what you call the retirement readiness kit uh, mm-hmm. tell people about that and how they can get that what's in that yes it's it's several
2: components but there's there's a, a couple of reports that you can get that show um, some of the landmines some of the the um, potential uh, risk in, in a portfolio, or any on your entire financial outlook, what are the risks? Not just in your investment portfolio, but what other risks do you have? The mortality mortality risk, the morbidity risk. How do we how do we address those effectively? Also, uh, there's an opportunity to uh, have a uh, financial cash flow analysis done. I think that's the the best uh, value within the kit because. What most people don't know is, does my money is my money going to last my entire life we We work so hard to accumulate accumulate, but am I going to have enough to retire on it's It's not um it's not uh um, you know rate of return that's important to most folks. What is important to the most of the clients when I'm asking what their concerns are is, will I have enough?" to last throughout my retirement years. So I think having that cash flow analysis done is uh, a huge uh, stress reliever when folks see that they can um, live on their assets, or if they can't, what steps that they would need to take. And so that's where we come in and and provide the specific step-by-step action plan to help them get to their goal.
1: And how can they get a free copy of that retirement readiness kit? Just
2: go to to our website at um, investingwithhrh.com, and that's available there.
1: So they can then download it that way, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Houston Harrison. He's the managing director of Capital Resource Group, which is based in Springdale, Arkansas. You can see mostly his clients are in the retirement or pre-retirement area. We'll be back after this.
3: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network. It's a sad fact that fraud is rampant in today's business environment. The headlines scream about once prestigious organizations falling victim to or crumbling due to the consequences of fraud. How do you keep fraud from affecting you and your business? Tune in to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Chris has over 30 years of fraud investigation experience, business intelligence, and is a renowned security consultant. Chris and his guests will inform you and help keep you from being the next statistic of fraud. Tune in Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m. 10 Central every Sunday.
1: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Houston Harrison, Managing Director of Capital Resource Group based in Springdale, Arkansas. Their website is capresgrp.com. Welcome back to the show, Houston. Thank you. So, you say it's important to work with a financial professional. A lot of people go it on their own and don't really deal with financial professionals. They don't trust them, they don't understand the fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, why should one work with a financial professional since so many people are kind of doing it themselves, no-load funds, uh, discount brokerages? They, they, a lot of people seem to be kind of on the do-it-yourself mode these days. Great question. And and uh,
2: that worked a lot in the um, mid to late 90s. Just anyone could do it themselves and, and make money. But we have uh, a crazy market. We've had... Um, uh, we 've had five years of uh, what I would call a cyclical bull market, but uh, before that after the after the two thousand two thousand and one uh, crash, the markets have been very difficult to maneuver, and so um, it does take the help of a professional i um, I uh, relate it to um, climbing Mount everest the um, The person that most people remember is Sir Edmund Hillary who in 1953 um, was the first person to uh, summit Mount Everest. And what most people don't realize was that most likely, although it's controversial, 29 years before that George Mallory likely summited uh, Mount Everest. And um, the difference is that George Mallory didn't make it down, <laughs> but oh. the, uh, and so so there's no uh, evidence that he can provide uh, that he made it. They only recently found his body in the last. Uh, I want to say it's been the last five years. It may have been within the last ten years, but it's you know it was it sat there in the frozen tundra for. So, so uh, he
1: doesn't get credit. You got to go up and down, huh? <laughs> that's right.
2: So the difference between Mallory and Hillary, who actually. Um, Made it and has documentation was uh, Hillary had a Sherpa, and his name was Tenzing Norgay, and so the Sherpa not only helped him get to the summit, but the Sherpa helped him make it back down the treacherous uh, downslope to to which I would I would uh, compare to retirement distribution, getting the taking the money out of your account uh, can be very dangerous, especially in light of a market that's bouncing around. So that's why I would say working with a professional has a lot of um, benefit. It's what, what I do all day, every day. And what,
1: a- what actually is so dangerous? What do people do not realize about the distribution side, taking money out of retirement plans for living in retirement, what is it that they're not realizing that you can help them with that they can't really do on their own very easily?
2: Well, if, if, if you're, um, if you're still in the markets in the equity markets and you're distributing your account, the, the modeling that you may have done when you decided to retire could be obsolete if the markets fall because, um, if if the, just a simple example is if the market fell by fifty percent, it would take a hundred percent return to get back to zero. So a hundred thousand falls to fifty. That fifty now has to make a hundred percent to get back to a hundred thousand. It takes a long time to get a hundred percent return. So it's even uh, it's expanded when there's distributions. Um, it's it's. Um,
1: so people had that experience in 2008 when the market fell quite sharply. How did you navigate for your clients when the markets did fall sharply in 2008 and
2: 2009? Well, we we had our clients in the types of investments where uh, they didn't experience the, the falls of the equity markets. So um, they're just on a steady um, Path of, of retirement and we've taken a lot of the stress out by some of the, the ways that we invest. You always would expect a, a certain percent and, you know, you can take a very small percent of a portfolio. You know, the, the traditional, um, asset allocation models have, uh, you know, 80-20, uh, equity to bonds if you're in your early years and then, and then, um, Turning it around in your retirement years to 2080, but most of them use funds. And so you still have the market risk associated with the sentiment of the market. So if you can, if you can eliminate some of that, if you can, if you can pull out of some of the market risk type of, of investments that, that could be subject, it doesn't matter what sectors are up. If, if the overall market is down, then your account will suffer so in retirement it's it's just devastating so so so, um,
1: so what you're saying it is important to get a financial professional but there are a lot of different kinds of financial professionals out there how should the financial advisor's business model affect clients and who they uh, choose to work with a great question
2: and as i mentioned when i was describing my background i have been structured in different ways and and i've i 'm a proponent and i 'm an advocate of our industry. I think you know there 's a lot of very very skilled and very good financial advisors out there who are structured in a variety of different ways so when i when I say that I like how i 'm structured it 's based on my experience. Uh, if an advisor has been with a, a warehouse their entire career that's that 's what they know so um, when I decided to be Completely independent in every way. It was because I saw that that was a way that I could always, uh, just let the raw data, um, say what it was going to say. I didn't, I didn't have to be spoon fed, uh, research by an organization, whether it be a Wall Street firm or broker dealer that had a, had a different interest than my client. So as an independent advisor, I, I have a fiduciary responsibility to always uh, do what's right uh, um for my client and uh, and advisors that are structured like me have that same uh, duty it's It's a little bit different than than a uh, suitability requirement which is the standard for most other types of advisors
1: so you're getting paid through assets under management you're getting a fee based on the assets under management as opposed to specific fees or commissions is that correct that's correct so um the uh, uh, the two t- two ways that a
2: securities licensed professional can be compensated are through fees or commissions. So just real generally explaining that a commission is generated by trading, where a fee is generated by helping a client grow their assets. Now, if it's stagnant, I, I would still make the fee based on a percent of assets under management, but uh, advisors licensed like me could make a a fee in three ways. We could get a percent of profits, we could get a percent based on assets under management, or we could, um, we could be compensated on a fixed basis or even for, uh, hourly or completing a financial plan. So we have flexibility in how we, um, are compensated, but, but it's not just for churning. So, um, a commission-based advisor, um, the buy and hold strategy doesn't work as well because it doesn't uh, generate as many commissions and um, even some of the uh, strategies we recommend on a fee-based side you know you are high fees aren't justified because it is more of a buy and hold income generating type investments that you can reinvest and grow your wealth and grow your portfolio that way so, so it's, most of your clients
1: have you as uh, assets under management as opposed to commission that's correct yeah. Yes. Okay. On
2: the security side, it would be uh, fee-based. On insurance side, which is the other way an advisor is licensed, that's always commission-based. So, so all the, although on certain annuities it can work similar to a fee, but uh, most advisors uh, uh, are paid a commission regardless.
1: Let's just talk about annuities for a second, since that's something you do. Do you mm-hmm. recommend fixed annuities or variable annuities, index annuities? We have very low interest rates today. You're, if you're locking in a low interest rate on a fixed annuity, is that a good idea?
2: Probably not. i, I put them in the same category as uh, a CD or a money market fund, although they remain competitive with bank products. I'm more in the middle um, road where uh, somewhere between a fixed and a variable annuity is a hybrid product, which is called a fixed indexed annuity. Um, and again, the the, the uh, landmines that you would want to avoid and, and working with an advisor that's very experienced with those, because the universe is the options, is the option on those literally Thousands of options that a person can choose between, and the way they work is they protect the downside while allowing a person to experience uh, market-type returns on the upside. Uh, The companies will cap the upside, um, but they protect the downside, so there's never any market losses. And the the client's money is not invested in the market; it's just credited an interest rate based on the change of an index.
1: So you think that's a better way to go than a fixed annuity these days?
2: If you want return, <laughs> yeah. Um, the 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 catch and, and the other drawback besides the cap on an index annuity would be the surrender period. So those are the the two catches you you commit for a time. That's the first catch, and then the second catch on the index annuity is the uh, cap. So. Um, so you want it to, you know, the client has to be right. It has to fit the client situation. And uh, you, you don't put all the client's assets in those. You you use that to diversify the, the portfolio.
1: Yeah. We have about three minutes to go. Just kind of give me an overall economic outlook of where you see the economy, the U.S. economy going in the next year or so. Are we basically in an upswing or is there we're we going to be pulled down by uh, lack of growth in Europe and Japan? Uh, great question. The
2: uh, the things that I see that are that could affect the economy um, in a negative way are uh immigration policy. Uh, as you know we're we're probably next week gonna the the president's gonna announce um a new immigration policy. Um, the uh the monetary policy, The only last month did the Fed stop their uh buying in Q E three so they've accumulated somewhere around $4.5 trillion of assets through this uh, mortgage-backed uh, security purchases since uh, 2012 and QE3. Um, so the, the the ongoing monetary policy of the Fed, uh, the situation with minimum wage, uh, can af- I think, could affect the economy. A lot of the states now have uh, increased their minimum wages with the last election cycle. Um, We'll see how that affects things. Uh, the Japan uh, situation and really I'd say the emerging markets as a whole um, just creating money out of thin air with the fiat currency. Japan is using it to pay their debt. Uh, so a lot of these uh, economies are really mirroring what the U.S. economy has done. <laughs>
1: So these are uh, these are all negative impacts you're talking about. The word. Those are all negative,
2: potentially negative impacts. the The positive in the positive thing is is just the the sentiment seems to be good. The uh, uh, we've had five years of, of bull market. I think a lot of what's driving the the the, the cyclical bull market right now is the um, a lot of a lot of the um, Japanese monetary policy. It's making the dollar. Um, Uh, more valuable, and and, um, so the market has been uh, reacting to that, as well as just uh, sentiment uh, for people who are investing in the markets.
1: So you're saying we look better compared to a lot of the other things going on around the world is what it comes down to. We we have our problems, but compared to other places, we're looking better. In some ways,
2: debt is scary, uh, but uh, but overall, I think... um, the markets uh, could continue to go up in the short term. Very good.
1: Well, thanks so much. My guest this half hour has been Houston Harrison. He's the Managing Director at Capital Resource Group based in Springdale, Arkansas. You can get a copy of the free Retirement Readiness Kit that he offers at investingwithhrh.com. His website is capresgrp.com and thanks so much for being a guest on the Money as a Show, Houston. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back with our next guest in the next half half hour.
3: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now, toll free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network.
5: You want to know what's really going on these days? each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time.
4: Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m. 10 Central every Sunday.
3: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is R. Jeffrey Small, the president of Arbor Financial Services, Arbor stands for Assisting Retirees Beyond Ordinary Results. He is based in Melbourne, Florida. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey,
5: Jordan. Great to be here. Thank
1: you. Let's just start with your background, uh, your financial background leading up to the founding of your firm.
5: Sure. Well, I, you know, I, after college, I entered this business and I went to work, of course, for a major firm. And uh, during that experience, uh, you know, we have our Friday morning sales meetings. And uh, during our sales meetings, they would teach us and tell us what products. We wanted to sell the nerve of them, right? And then after doing that for about five years, I decided to go independent, and I discovered that I was able to do a much better job for our customer base, because then we could really research and utilize the universe of options that exist, as opposed to being force-fed in a captive uh, advisor environment.
1: And so uh, tell me a little bit about the clientele you're dealing with and what kind of services you provide them.
5: Well, we work exclusively here in Florida, and so we work with retirees and and pre-retirees. We're specialists in those areas because we we have a real purpose in what we do, and uh, we're trying to help people prepare for the art of what we call financial self-defense and how to pull out as much income as they can, but yet keep their assets intact.
1: What are some of the biggest financial concerns that retirees and pre-retirees have these days?
5: Well, empirically, Jordan, there's really four concerns, and your listeners may want to write these down if you're approaching retirement or you're actually in retirement, because these are very, very important. But the first one is, how do we get the most amount of growth in our money without risk? And uh, risk is great sometimes, but risk can also be very, very bad. So that's number one. Number two would be, since about two-thirds of our existing customers are utilizing their assets for income... Uh, would be how to get the most amount of income without depleting the asset, I meaning let's keep it intact. Because post our lives, it's got to be left to either our spouses and then whatever our intentions are. Thirdly would be how do we create the most amount of legacy value to take care of our family? And the fourth one would be what's the most amount of really liquidity we should have in today's environment because there's going to be opportunities at some point down the road. Interest rates could rise, the market could drop, gold could fall, who knows. But we'd like to have some money on the sidelines if our personal situation affords to for those opportunities.
1: What is the mindset of your retiree and pre-retiree clients? Are they hopeful? Are they fearful? Are they worried about low interest rates? What what do you hear from them as far as their fears and concerns?
5: Well, that's a really great question. Um, I think the biggest concern, more than ever, especially the last, let's say, 18 months, I've seen, uh, folks really their radar is going off. Their, their, their radar for, geez, when is the market going to correct? And, you know, if it does, how badly will it hurt my retirement? So more folks today are more fearful than ever and they're gravitating out of risk into the guaranteed environment of products that give us guaranteed outcomes for life and guaranteed incomes for life. That seems to be more important, but it's significantly downplayed and the rest of the financial arena, which I think is a humongous mistake um, in terms of helping folks and groom them into the correct financial culture.
1: But if they're doing things that are guaranteed, you're going to have very low yields. Certainly CDs, money market funds, treasure bills are pretty much zero these days and are going to stay that way for a while. So what are you getting them into that's relatively guaranteed that gives them a decent return?
5: Well, I think there's a... Uh, a number of different things that folks can go into that are, that are non-market-based that will give them between a 4 and 7% return over any given 10-year period. And I think they look at those options um, and evaluate which, which ones are best for themselves depending upon who they're accessing the information from or if they're working with an advisor.
1: So what would be some of those examples of things in the 4 to 7% area?
5: Well, you can look at uh, things like preferred stocks, obviously, which have a par value and pay a consistent dividend. That seems to be extracting a portion of the volatility out of the regular common stock scenario. You can look at things like REITs, uh, but the problems with those types of vehicles, if they're not publicly traded, they're going to be illiquid. Um, so you've got to hold them for a significant amount of time. And then you can look at things like um, master limited partnerships. There's ETFs that specializes in MLPs that pay a specific yield um, that focus on specific sectors. But then again, you've got volatility. There's over-the-counter REITs as well. In addition to that, there's also annuities. Um, and Annuities, ironically, when you spreadsheet all these options, those are the ones that folks always pick. Now, it's not any one particular thing that somebody wants you to pick, but it's the one that usually makes the most sense if they're looking for a guaranteed outcome uh, and a guaranteed income for life.
1: What kind of yields can they get on fixed annuities today?
5: Well, there's a couple different kinds of annuities. Fixed annuities pay a CD look-alike type yield. Um, Generally, they're about anywhere from 100 basis points to 50 basis points higher comparable to the duration of that CD, which isn't anything to jump up and down and do a backflip for. But then there's also fixed indexed annuities, which give us the potential for market growth uh, while extracting the risk. Um, but also guaranteed rates of growth for income as a combination plan in case the market does not grow. It's kind of a fail-safe to increase income at some point down the
1: line. And So you're taking income out of that annuity, but you're keeping the principal in there because you'd have surrender charges to get out of, Is that right?
5: Well, sure. I mean, if you pull money out of an annuity, you're, you're, you know, that's one of the caveats to an annuity is you can really only pull out a specific percentage per year. Most annuities, it's 10% of the actual value on a penalty-free
1: basis per year. Okay. Uh, another area you specialize in is Social Security maximization. Now, I don't know what percent. it's a pretty high percentage, I think about 40% of the people start taking Social Security the moment they can at age 62. That's probably a mistake. How do you help people figure out the correct age to take out Social Security based on their entire financial circumstances?
5: Well, you know, that's a really great question, Jordan. The reality is is that you cannot plan for maximizing your Social Security on a micromanaged basis. You really have to look at the entire picture of your financial situation and look for maximum income coordination and extraction from all of your resources. Um, Social Security is just one segment of your retirement income, hopefully. But for those folks that have to have Social Security, they have no choice but to take it. So it's not always about economics. Now, on the economical component of it, you know, there's 567 ways for a married couple to file for Social Security. How in the world do they know how to choose the right option? Well, they really don't. Because the information is not being disseminated correctly out to the out to the re- pre-retired public or the retired public on how to maximize their Social Security. There's now a whole other realm of financial planning that exists where there's four major providers of software that does a much better job analyzing and computing the actual social security options for maximum extraction of that social security benefit to a husband and a wife, or a single, divorced, or widowed person. So now we've got this new function in our lives as independent financial advisors, financial planners, where we're really showing people how to correctly and maximize their social security benefits, as well as coordinate that maximization with the rest of their assets.
1: So if you go to the Social Security Administration directly, either in person or on their website, uh, are you just not getting very good advice when you're trying to figure this out on your own?
5: Well, the calculators, believe it or not, Jordan, they don't, on Social Security, on the website, if you go to ssa.gov, they don't show you how to maximize your benefits. They don't show you the most creative strategy. And if there's 567 ways for a married couple to collect Social Security, it doesn't tell you which one of the 567 is the best choice. That's where we come in. We give you the pieces to the puzzle. And uh, we show you exactly how to get the most amount of Social Security based on the same kind of calculation that Social Security does. It's just that this software is designed to maximize the extraction. And so if we have a husband and a wife um, who's 66 years old, how do they know, if their husband just retired, how to maximize their Social Security? For certain. They really don't. There is no certainty. They can't call Social Security. Social Security is not allowed to tell them. And the website calculator doesn't work as well as, you know, it should.
1: What What are some of the common misperceptions about when to collect social security that people have that you, when you do the analysis, find out for them?
5: Well... You know, we we often get, you know, we had no idea that we could have gotten an extra hundred thousand dollars out of the system. Because if you if you look at social security in terms of what it provides, if it provides a two thousand dollar month benefit, that's really worth anywhere from five hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars of portfolio money over your retired life. And now that benefits also guaranteed for the remaining spouse uh once the first spouse passes away as a survivor's benefit. So the the reality is we had we had no idea that we could increase our benefits. We see a lot of folks who defer their Social Security benefits intentionally and have no idea that the main breadwinner, post-age 66, could get a spousal benefit and allow his to still grow. That's, the, you know, that's, that's a real big one. They're always leaving money on the table, and they had no idea that. So the idea behind the maximization strategy is, is that folks just don't have the information. So when we give them the information, they have the aha expression and comment on, uh, in their words. Jeez, we had no idea that we could do, much,
1: do that much better with Social Security. If you can wait, <clears throat> if you don't need the money... If you can possibly wait until age seventy, is that the best possible way of getting the most out of Social Security?
5: Well, if you're if you're single, widowed, or divorced, yes. But if you're married, no. No, it's not. Uh, there, there's a lot of other strategies and options to consider. But when you look at maximum worth pulled out of Social Security, or maximum extraction of that money supply into your life from Social Security and retirement income, it's really been uh, the maximization strategy for Social Security circumvent around getting the most amount of money over your retired life based on an average life expectancy. That's where we get the benefit. Uh, you know, some folks want their Social Security early because they want the most amount of money in their 60s to travel. Some folks can afford, vo- uh, some folks can defer. Some cannot defer. Some folks are working until 66 and don't want to collect their benefits until then. Everybody's situation is different. But the General Accounting Office issued a study last year that said, Those who can delay taking Social Security should do so. But everybody's situation is different, so you have to look around your own situation and then coordinate.
1: Are you concerned about the long-term solvency of Social Security? And if so, when would that start hitting?
5: Well, by Social Security's own admission, on their own Social Security statements today, it says that the Social Security Trust Fund is insolvent by 2033. Uh, and they're going to have to reduce benefits by 25% across the board, assuming there's no increase in taxes or trust fund assets. I think that that date is probably about 8 to 10 years too long. It's more like 2024, 2025. We, had, we averaged 15,000 people a day last year uh, getting their Social Security benefits. We're in the middle of a gigantic age wave, and boom. that's going to put an immense amount of pressure on the system. And unless we can expand the economy and create more jobs or raise the tax revenue for Social Security. The, you know, the, uh, uh, we may see a reduction in benefits at some point down the road, but I don't want to scare people. I, don't, I think that you know, they'll find a way to fix it, and there's a number of proposals and studies that have been contemplated and discussed and talked about, it. but what concerns me the most, Jordan, right now with Social Security is it's not on anybody's radar. Nobody's talking about how to fix Social Security, because obviously it's going to run into a problem in the future. Um, after 2017, we begin to run into the red. Today, we've got about 2.8 workers for every one worker, and that's going to – one uh, Social Security recipient, and that's going to steadily decline over time.
1: That's much sooner. I mean, 10 years for it being in real trouble is much sooner than most people think. So, I mean, people who are putting it off, you're saying, may not get what they're thinking.
5: Well, we've had people collect Social Security this year just because of that fact. They're concerned that at some point in the near future, there may be a reduction of benefits. And so folks are using that as a decision maker uh to go ahead and start collecting no matter what the strategy could be for maximization. So it's it's legitimately a concern. The Heritage Foundation put out a great report last year and they said that uh, their prediction based on the trust fund uh, financials from May of 2013 stated that by 2024 they were looking for a 25 uh, percent reduction of benefits dollar for dollar, assuming there was no increase in the tax base for a Social Security trust fund or the fund itself.
1: Do you think there could be means testing Social Security, meaning the higher your income, the less you get?
5: I think that's one of the potential solutions on the drawing board. There's no doubt that
1: that will happen. You think it will happen then? Mm-hmm. I
5: think it will happen. And for the folks that are in that category now, that are it, it's decision time.
1: They're collecting. They're not holding off. I see. Some people are trying to beat them before they get there. Okay, They really are. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Jeffrey Small. He's the president of Arbor Financial Services, uh, based in Melbourne, Florida. Their website is arbor-financial.com. We'll be back after this.
3: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Have you become a member yet?
4: Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business.
4: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been
0: listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jeffrey Small. He's the president of Arbor Financial Services based in Melbourne, Florida. Arbor stands for Assisting Retirees Beyond Ordinary Results. And their website is arbor-financial.com. Welcome back to the show, Jeffrey. Hey, great to be back, Jordan. So one of the big questions in retirement is how to withdraw money uh, so that you don't outlive your money. The traditional withdrawal rate is withdrawing about 4% a year. Uh, With very low interest rates today, how has the kind of strategy of withdrawing money changed?
5: Well, this has been a pretty big argument. And uh, for the last two or three years inside the financial world of financial planning and financial services, uh, about what percentage of money can you withdraw and expect to have some money by age 90 left. And, uh, you know, last year Morningstar did a phenomenal report on this, with was low bond yields with safe portfolio withdrawal rates was the title of it. And their head of retirement research at Morningstar, David Blanchett, and and two other independent analysts, I basically concluded that there's a 90% probability of achieving a retirement income goal with a 30-year time horizon with a 40% equity position, you could only withdraw a rate of about 2.8% of your actual value. And such a low withdrawal rate would require another 40% in savings if you wanted to equal the same 4% withdrawal rate and still have a 50% chance of having some money left by age 90. Now That's a lot to swallow. But the bottom line is the withdrawal rates today, based on the low rate environment and the market peaks, they're predicting back you know, last year that you should only withdraw 2.8% a year if you want a 50% chance of having some money left. Well, that doesn't work for a lot of folks. Um, we have to withdraw more than that on required minimum distributions once we turn age 70 and a half for IRAs. So they're pulling out more than that. So that means they're going backwards in value even on IRAs. So we we've, we've done here at Arbor Financial is we've come up with a strategy base that really gives our customers the ability to withdraw between 45 and 5% a year and keep their asset values intact. You know... Too many people spend too much time promoting superior returns and they don't focus on what happens to money when you have a withdrawal, a management fee, a down year, and then growth combined with more withdrawals. The complexion of money and the mathematical progression of that money changes significantly. So in that kind of environment, if you're in that kind of environment as one of the listeners on Jordan's show... What you'll discover is, is if you, if when you, the holy grail of rates of growth for you is really between 5 and 6 percent. There's no reason to chase superior returns. Now it's become challenging for most folks in financial services to say, look, I can get you, I can get you that down at the brokerage house here because uh, we've got these bonds and this, that, and the other, and then we're holding things for 20, 25 years, which is crazy. Nobody really wants to do that. So the reality is, here at Arbor Financial, we can maintain a withdrawal rate of 45 to 5% and keep the asset values intact. And that's really where folks need to be today if they're looking to withdraw money from their portfolio to subsidize their lifestyle.
1: And then on top of that, you have longer life expectancy. I mean, if people are in pretty good health, they're typically going to last certainly 80s, if not 90s, if not 100s these days. So how does that affect the calculation?
5: Well, you know, that's the beauty of it, Jordan. It really doesn't affect the calculation. Um, What ends up happening is, since we're working in an arena where there's a guaranteed increase no matter what happens in the markets, we end up increasing values across the board despite the withdrawal. No matter what the market does, goes up and goes down, the client still wins. And that's where they need to be as opposed to constantly and consistently being told and trained in our financial culture to chase superior returns. That does not work for income modeling in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, you know, in, a, in a bull spike market run uh, where we have a secular pattern bull and it runs for a number of years, that could work. But when we get into a trend that we are at today with the market being at a peak and the potential for malaise because the easing quantitatively has ended, it's a dangerous time for folks to be pulling assets out of their income for income unless they have some kind of guaranteed outcome.
1: There are some problems you found with modern-day 401ks. What are some of the problems you see in those?
5: Well, the biggest problem today with modern-day 401ks really is the majority of them don't have any safe money options. If I have a half a million dollars in my 401k and I'm getting ready to retire in two years, and I'm looking at this market peak that we're at right now, and the market hasn't been this high in a valuation perspective since 1999 or 2007 or even 1929, I'm wondering, geez, when's the correction going to happen? So how can I transfer my money into something safe while I'm working and still participating in my 401k even though I'm two years away from retirement? Well, if you're still working, you can do what's called an in-service distribution, to another IRA via tax-free rollover, and you can invest in whatever you'd like. It can be in CDs, money markets, you can work with your local independent financial advisor, wherever you would like. But folks that are still working don't realize this. They think they're stuck in their 401ks. Now, if your 401k has safe money choices and options, that might be something to take a look at. You might want to consider reducing a portion of your exposure. If you're 100% invested um, in equities right now, or 70% Wouldn't they have invested?
1: like uh, guaranteed investment contracts? GICs would be a typical kind of safe option.
5: It could be, it could be, but they would have to get out of their four hundred and one k to access something like that.
1: Uh huh. I see. So, so you're saying that people are just uh, exposed to too much risk towards the end of their working lives, is what you're saying?
5: They they really are, and th- you know, this happened pre two thousand and seven and pre two thousand, where folks had mountains of money in their four hundred and one ks, and they got crushed when the market dropped because there were no safe money options. So if you're on the cusp of retirement, within three to five years or one to five years of retiring, you really want to make sure that you get your 401k money safe or you marginalize your risk by at least half today. So you think
1: we're pretty near, with what you were just saying, you think we're pretty near a stock market top right now?
5: Well, we really are. Um, How much higher can the market go? We're at 20 times P.E. right now, next year's earnings on the S&P. You know, that's when we get get into the overbought territory. We're we're approaching that right now. I don't see a real catalyst for the market to expand unless the economic news, uh, you know, is very, very prosperous across
1: the board. Uh, What do you think is the number one trend in the market you're seeing right now?
5: Well, the number one trend in the market was, prior to October, the effects of quantitative easing and over the, ever since March of '09, that was the number one trend. But the trend of the market now is, you know, is the market going to keep growing? The quantitative easing has ended. Nobody really knows. So now we've hit this peak. And unless there's significant positive economic data that comes out, uh, you know, the market's not going to expand. But if there's negative data, and that, that data could come out of Europe, it could come out of China, it could come out of anything domestic here in the United States, if that happens, it could cause a correction.
1: And so uh, you're saying that people should prepare themselves for that and not write it out because they, people who went through this in 2008 and didn't really prepare themselves, in many cases, dumped out at the bottom because they were so fearful.
5: Well, that's right. And in 2008, nobody really realized why the market was going to correct. Nobody understood why the bond market dropped 25% overnight in August of 2008. Nobody saw that coming. It was August of 2007. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Um, but the reality is is if you reduce your risk now... You'll also reduce your potential for losses. And so how much more upside is there? And if we surveyed folks, you know, that are pre-retired or retired, they would say, you know, I don't want to have that much risk right now. A lot of people feel that way. Their instincts are going off.
1: Yeah, very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Jeffrey Small. He's the president of Arbor Financial Services in Florida. Arbor stands for Assisting Retirees Beyond Ordinary Results. His website is arbor-financial.com. And he's been very helpful in explaining all these things people need to know in planning for retirement and living and getting money out in retirement. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Jeffrey. Thank you very much, Jordan. Thank you, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now.
0: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.